the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Thank you for tuning in to the Live Big broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. God's Word is powerful and full of life. It opens your eyes to how big God is and how big life in Him can be. So we pray that today's teaching compels you to grow and live a life bigger than yourself. Remember, you can listen to this message and more for free at gracechurchva.org. Here's Bishop Greer with today's Live Big message. Well, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to begin a series where we're going to talk about the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And uh, there's a whole lot to learn uh, in this portion of scripture, and uh, it's going to be very, very rich. So again, if you have your Bible, I'll open it up to to, to verse one. Now, and by the way, a lot of people are scared of this book, uh, nervous about reading this book, uh, but I want to take a a lot of that away. And uh, as we go on, you're going to see why why this book is a special book in many ways, and we should be comforted by the things that are actually contained uh, therein. Again, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, John the Revelator says, The revelation, or literally the unveiling, of Jesus Christ. Now, in that first statement, John has already given us the very key to the entire book of Revelation. It's not about the Antichrist, not about dragons, it's not about angels, it's all about Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. When you get the foundation right, everything else can stand. Uh, Right out of the gate again, it's all about Jesus. The revelation of who? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. So we see here by the use of the term servants that uh, the book of Revelation is not written to the, 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 the casual uh, reader, if you will, those casually interested in Jesus Christ. The, the, the goal of, of reading the book of Revelation ought not be, you know, timelines and, and just morbid curiosity. That's not going to get you very far. Uh, you're going to be, in fact, quite, quite frustrated. But if you're looking for Jesus, you have finally come to the right place. He said, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which he gave to show his servants things mu- that things which must Shortly. Now, the term there literally means with a quickness. So when the stuff we're reading about starts to happen, it will happen suddenly and with great, great speed. So once it starts happening, I mean, it's going to move. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant. Again, it's written to servants and it's through his servant, John. Now, God used Peter 
to preach the first message uh, of the church age after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and 3000 uh, were, were marvelously saved. Then Jesus appeared to the apostle. Well, at that point, he was Saul. He appeared to, to Paul uh, and uh, Saul and uh, he, he began to use the name Paul, but it's interchangeable uh, in, the, in the book of Acts. And, and then Paul wrote more than half of the 21 epistles in the New Testament. But John, uh, when we read the Gospels, we discover that he was Jesus's closest disciple. The Bible actually calls him the one who Jesus loved. So uh, this was the guy that Jesus uh, enjoyed spending the most time with. You could say that uh, John was Jesus' closest friend uh, on earth, uh, his closest human friend. And by the time uh, of the writing uh, of the book of, of, of Revelations, John was the only surviving apostle. He was probably in his 90s at, at this point. But it was at this point that John actually made the greatest contribution of his entire ministry uh, other than the book of John itself. And, and here's the deal. With, with God, you're never too old. Uh, your age is even part of God's plan. And John's age and, and the timing of this book was as much a part of God's plan as, as anything else. In fact, the way I kind of look at getting a little bit older is, is it's just it's not really so much that I'm getting old. I've just been young for a long time. That, that's kind of the way I've learned to, to look at it. Verse two, who bore witness, this is John, who bore witness to the word of God. So John immediately established that he was writing the word of God. This was not just a dream he had or, or a nightmare he had one night. This was literally the word of God. And to the testimony, you're just going to see it again, what I said earlier, of Jesus Christ. He reiterates, this book is all about Jesus. So if you want to know more about the resurrected Jesus, the one who's seated at the right hand of the father, uh, the one that can never be crucified again, the one that will return to the earth in, in power, in all splendor, you are in the right place to all things that I saw. So John is testifying uh, of the things that he saw, uh, but he only saw because the Holy Spirit showed and he was willing to risk uh, his apostolic authority and credibility uh, to, to relay this, this fantastic message that we read in the book of Revelation. Now, John had to admit, though, that, that he was different than, than all the others. He didn't write like Paul. He, he didn't write like Matthew, Mark or, or Luke. He didn't think exactly uh, like them. But but what makes us different is often what makes us necessary. And sometimes, you know, we're so upset by the fact that we're just not like everyone else. But again, this is why uh, he, he was necessary. And you kind of say that he saved, God saved the best for, for, for last. And, and here's the deal. If you're like everybody else, what difference is your life going to make? John was distinct. He had a different uh, way of viewing things. God used him differently. And actually the way God used him is the reason why we have this blessed book. Verse three, blessed is he, verse three, who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. So he begins with a special blessing on those who hear this teaching today. But the greatest blessing is actually in the second half here. So it's those who hear, but also those who keep those things which are written in it. And the focus of the next couple of weeks is uh, 
we're going to focus on kind of the, the low hanging fruit of the book of Revelation, things that are very easy from us to, for us to learn from and lessons that are very easy for us to keep. And then he continues, he says, for the time is near. Now, I need you to bear in mind everything written in the book of Revelation is written from Jesus's perspective and not our own perspective. So what we're seeing is a divine perspective of end time events. And I want you to also understand that the apostles, all of them understood that a thousand years was as a day with the Lord. Peter clearly taught that and wrote that in scriptures and everyone agreed. And, and scientists say today that the earth is close to 4.5 uh, billion years old. Um, I, I, I can't vouch for that. I, I can't say that that is true, but, but based on, on the science, 2000 years is barely a minute in the whole scheme of things. And what we have to understand is the mind of God is so vast, we must approach it with the utmost respect. Verse four, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Now, these seven churches existed on a single road. It was kind of circuitous. It wasn't a, 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 a perfect circle, but it was, it was circular. Uh, and it was about a hundred square miles uh, along the Aegean Sea. And these were literal churches with literal people, with literal problems and literal lessons that all of us can learn if we pay attention to what John said uh, for Jesus to the churches uh, that, that, that were in uh, the, this region of Asia, Asia. And he said, grace to you and peace. This is a typical salutation of, a, of an epistle. You'll, you'll hear that when Paul writes one, you'll, you'll hear that when Peter uh, right. So, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, you know, this book is going to be different when it starts by speaking about the timelessness, the transcendence, the 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 eternality of God. You know, all of our troubles are, are, are temporary. They're, they're, they're passing away. But God is not. And even if it takes God forever, he will one day make everything right. So he begins by saying, this is not the God that just kind of, uh, you know, inspired some prophets and came out of nowhere one day. This is the eternal God that has always been and will always be the God that needs no advice, needs no input. The, the God, as I always say, that got start started and he will be the God that, that gets the end uh, going. But even the end is not completely the end. It might be the end of the age but it's not the end of all things. God is eternal. He will always be, and we will always be with him, those that love him. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now, in the first chapter of the Bible, uh, we begin to see that uh, God created the earth. And, and then we begin to see that he did it over a period of seven days. And seven days completed the very first week. So since that time, the number seven has has represented in Scripture completeness. The end of the cycle, uh, you know, could have been eight days, could have been six days, five days. But uh, God created uh, the, the cycle of time to, to, to begin in weeks. And it was a seven day period. And actually the sixth day, uh, God rested and he just enjoyed uh, all, all the things that, that that he created. But again, the number seven in Scripture 
uh, it's the law of first mention here. We see seven days of the week uh, represented uh, God's completeness or perfection, if you will. This is what the number seven represents. So what we see before the throne or who we see before the throne, the seven spirits is not a Baptist Holy Spirit. It's not a Pentecostal Holy Spirit. It's not a Catholic Holy Spirit before the throne. This was God of God in all his perfection and all his immensity. And the, the Holy Spirit is the only one big enough to sweep all our wrong requests, all, all our, our bad motivations, all our mistakes into God's own purposes. This is what the, the Holy Spirit does. And he is before the throne and from Jesus Christ. Now, it's amazing the company that Jesus keeps. Jesus is mentioned in the same breath as God who's on the throne and the Holy Spirit that's before the throne. And he's called the faithful witness. Now, I can't give up on Jesus because he hasn't given up on me. He is faithful. The firstborn from the dead. Now, the rabbis at that time in history called God the firstborn of the world. Now, this is this doesn't mean this doesn't speak of creation. It speaks of the first being the first one. So John called Jesus the same thing. Uh, but but his emphasis was uh, Jesus authority on everything that had lived and died. The firstborn uh, from the dead. Typically, uh, the firstborn child or the firstborn son was the one that 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 led the other children. It was the one that received the double portion. So the firstborn was in the, the senior seat as it related to all the, the children. And it's applied to, again, God. And here it's applied to Jesus. And ruler, this is speaking of Jesus, and ruler over the kings of the earth. Now, Jesus didn't just come to the earth to, to, to visit, but to one day and one day very soon take over and rule. To him who loved us and washed us. Now, modern translations here say loosed or freed us. Jesus came to loose you and set you free. Jesus came to make a difference. Jesus came to get you out of the bondage you're in. Jesus didn't just come to, to be a new idea for you to think about. He came to change things. He came to, to, to free us and to wash us from our sins in his, watch this, his own blood. Now, morality may keep you out of jail, but you know, things are changing in our nation and, uh, uh, you can now go to jail probably for, for some moral things. And if we keep going this direction, it, it, it's going to get ugly. But morality will keep you out of jail. But it's only faith in the blood that will keep you out of hell. And uh, again, once once again, we see this book is all about Jesus. These are central biblical doctrines and truth. We are washed in the blood. We are redeemed by the blood. We are saved uh, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus. We are in covenant with God because of the blood. Verse 6. And has made us kings and priests to his God and father. Now, Jesus didn't come to put you down, to bring you down. So if you're afraid of him, it's because you're deceived and the devil has hoodwinked you. But it, it says here he's come to make us what kings and priests to his God and father. Jesus came to give you a new status, to give you a new dignity, to give you a new authority. And when John thought about it, 
He, he actually, in this next verse, we're going to see him break into praise. Apostle Paul would do the same thing. He's writing to the Ephesians. They'd be, thanks be to God, the Father, da, 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 da. He would just break into works. He'd do it intermittently throughout his teaching because God is so good. And John does the same thing. He says, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And he was saying, when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, it makes me want to dance. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to, 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 to shout. John just got to take a second and say, hold my mule because I'm about to worship. And then verse seven, he said, behold, meaning pay attention to what I'm about to say. Check this out. He's coming with the clouds. Now, this is important. This revelation that John is giving us, this is not the one that the disciples had to take in the boat while he was sleeping. This is not the mortal man that uh, got tired and he sat by the well and then had that conversation with the woman at the well. This was uh, not the mortal that was beaten and, and crucified. And from the cross, he, he cried, I thirst. It's the same individual, but he's not in the same condition. He is now robed in all authority, all power, all dominion, all might. Now, Jesus came the first time in weakness. But when he returns, he's coming back in all power and glory. And John gets a revelation of the one seated at the right hand of God, the father. Jesus likened this life to a seed that goes into the ground and dies. And then it produces it's the same basic DNA. It's the same basic person, but it, it, it well, seed, if you will, same basic seed that the content of the plant was, was originally in the seed, but it produces something uh, new and fantastic. And what he was saying is, yes, I came like a seed. I came in human form. Um, I, I am still, by the way, the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And it goes on to say he is the man, Christ Jesus. So God added uh, divinity to his humanity, but he is on a, a whole nother level. No one's ever going to crucify him again. No one's ever going to beat him again. No one's going to spit in his face again. No one's going to pull out his beard again. So John has a revelation here of the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we need to see Jesus not only uh, before the cross, on the cross, but we also have to have a revelation of him after the cross. The one seated at the right hand of God in power, the one that's coming back to reign and rule on planet Earth. He says here in every eye. Every eye didn't see the mortal Jesus. Only some people that were in the crowd happened to see the mortal Jesus. But when he comes back, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. When Jesus comes back, it will not be a, a secret. Uh, if folks say, come over here and see the Christ there and ever. If, if they say, you know, go over there, you know, to see the Christ there and ever. No, the Bible teaches as fast as the lightning flashes from one end of the sky to the other uh, is going to be the return of Jesus. And no one's going to miss it when lightning strikes. And then you hear the sound of it. No one misses it because it shakes everything uh, in, in its wake. And it says that all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Pay attention here because of him. Now, there are a lot of pillow prophets nowadays that preach an interesting gospel. Uh, but but what we see here is let me read it again. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, meaning when Jesus returns, there's going to be some. Oh, no's. Oh, my God. There, there, there's going to be terror in the hearts and mind of those who 
who, who have not believed, those who have not turned to him. And here's the deal. If everyone automatically goes to heaven, verses like this would not be in the Bible. Scripture says in all the tribes of the earth, every ethnic group, every people group will have people in it that mourn because of him. And as fierce and as terrible as that image is, watch what John says, even so, amen. This is a Hebraic way of saying, can anybody say, yeah, can anyone give me an amen on it? John was not uh, shy about the realities of the world to come and the age to come. And what we're about to read in these next verses, if you have a red letter edition, these words would be in red because these are actually, the, 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 this is actually the statement uh, of Jesus. Watch what he says. I am, not I once was, not I hope to be one day, not I'm evolving toward. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, this language is actually used of, of, of God the Father as well, but Alpha and Omega is basically like our A and Z. These two letters were the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And he was saying that I am the A to Z of everything that matters. That's a bold proclamation here. Then he continues. He said, if you didn't get that, let me say it another way. The beginning and the end. He's saying, I am before and beyond all things, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to Come Again, that's exactly the language that was used for the father up in verse four. Jesus is a bad boy. Jesus did not stutter here. You see, true humility is not thinking uh, any more or any less of yourself than you should. And Jesus is just being honest when he says, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. If he said anything less, he'd be lying to us. So Jesus is very comfortable in his own skin, very comfortable in his own shoes, very comfortable in his own position. And then it ends and says, God, he says, I am. Okay, I'm, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am God, this is Jesus speaking, the Almighty. The term translated Almighty there is Pentecostal. And you know, uh, one of the scholars uh, uh, writes, this, this is important. The word pantocrator means the one who has a firm grip, the one who holds all. I, I, I like this the best. The one who has his hands on everything. Now, when I read this uh, just, just last night, actually, when I was preparing my notes for today, I, I, I got a little bit bothered. I had to pause at these words. By the way, we're going to pick up here next week. Let, let me read these words one more time. He said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. Jesus is saying, I am the one who has a firm grip. I am the one who has my hand on everything. Now, the reason I paused when, when I, I read that and, and began to research the, the meaning of Pentecostal, I was like, Lord, you know, I can remember some horrible things that have happened in my life. 
How with a straight face can you say that you have your hand on everything? And it reminded me of Luke chapter 4, verse 40. I'm going to read it. And when the sun was setting, it was getting dark. Stuff that happens in darkness was about to happen. All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. Watch this. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. What the Lord placed in my heart was, Derek, in my word, every time I put my hand on someone, they were healed. They were renewed. They were restored. They were double blessed. The Bible is saying that Jesus is the Pentocrator, meaning when God puts his hand on it, there's no sorrow on earth that heaven cannot heal. This has been Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. Access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join the Grace Church family for worship online every Sunday and Wednesday on social media at gracechurchva or on our website at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, live big. First Peter 3 and 9 tells us, God is not willing that any should perish, meaning God wants to reach those we love more than we ever imagined. When sharing my faith, I try to do three simple things. Number one, share my personal story. In John 9, 25, a man was interrogated by a group of theologians about what Jesus had just done in his life, and his response was really simple. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. Tell your story. Number two, help people overcome objections. First Peter 3 and 15 says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. The Holy Spirit will help you come up with helpful responses to any question. Number three, keep the focus on the goodness of Jesus and don't get sidetracked by other issues. All people, whether religious or irreligious, have fallen short and we all need a Savior. You may plant the seed, another may water, but ultimately it's God who will make it grow. But only if we do our part can God do His. Trust Him and share from your heart. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big.